Here I go again, on my own. Hello and welcome ladies and gentlemen, we are back, the analysis has returned and we are here today to talk about, um, let me see this says, the, the football, we're here to talk about the football. Surprise! Okay, okay, <laughs> wow, so I'm your host Dan and as always I'm joined by Natalie and uh, yeah, Natalie, how about that, that football that's been going on? It is, it is uh, happening, the football. Yeah, most certainly and mm. uh I heard I heard the Englands played a game today, and did you not watch it? I did watch it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I did watch it, and I got really mad. Um, as soon as Harry Kane came on, me too. Yeah. So every time Saka got on the ball and did something, I was like, "Oh yeah, well played, Saka." And then any time anyone else did anything, I was like, "Oh god, England, you're so shit, you're too slow, like this is rubbish." Um, and it, yeah, it felt kind of crap. It was one of those games where it's like, "You're damned if you do, damned if you don't," like you're playing a minnow you kind of mm. need to beat them like six seven nil and if yeah. you don't you kind of look like little bitches but they're just going to be defending the whole time and yeah i thought it was kind of boring um and I, I just would have liked it to have been more i would have liked there to have been more goals um but yeah we are here to talk about the fpl believe it oh, or not because i was going to um, talk about something that was more interesting that was oh football. okay let's let's do that the wsl that was more interesting and also football. You are quite right. Arsenal versus Chelsea. There was, if we planned our day better, there were still tickets available this morning. Could have all gone. Mm. Yeah. Um, alas. And they were like £15. Did watch it on TV, though, from bed. And mm. that was nice. Yeah, it's actually the first win that Arsenal have had this season, funnily enough. If we exclude the EFL oh. Cup, of course. But yeah. um, The first, yeah. like, league win. First league win, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it was a pretty pretty good win because Arsenal haven't had a good record against the mighty Chelsea in recent years. Uh, nice to see them get some points on the board. Although it was offside, the winning goal, and there's no VAR. So I, I celebrated the goal even harder than I'd usually celebrate <laughs> a goal because it's like, wow, this is football is so great when you don't have VAR after every goal. Anyway, let's get on to the FPL chat because that's what we're really here for. Okay. And we are going to... At the beginning of the show, congratulate the top scorers of game week two and game week three. Because we, of course, did not do a podcast last week. I had to figure that out on the fly there. I was like, why have we got two weeks? <laughs> we recorded the, ga- the one after game week two before game week two was over. That's why we've got a game week two top scorer. That would be why. That would be why. And game week three. So, yes, game week two top scorers. There were two. Uh, Sam Shan and Joshua Danjama, uh, both on 92 points, which is pretty hefty. Uh, and then in game week three, our top scorer with 91 points was a man named George, but also possibly named Jorge, or also <laughs> possibly named, how did you pronounce it in Portuguese? I think it's Jorge. <laughs> there think. we go. Mr. Rodriguez, <laughs> it was you. With 91 yes. points. Uh, if it hadn't been you, it would have been me. But anyway, let's move on. Congrats. <laughs> that is, of course, because you got a really high score this week, not yeah. because we just kick everyone out who does better than us. Although <laughs> we could do that. I think this is the highest either one of us has ever been in our own yeah. league. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> Long way to go yet. I'm going yeah. for that top spot. Okay. I'm, not go- I'm not getting that. I'm not getting anywhere near that. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, so today we're going to look at a little bit of uh, September preview with mm -hmm. a, a certain eye towards those of you who are wildcarding. I was originally going to be doing that, but actually I kind of looked at my team. I looked at everything that's going on. And I thought, you know, what? I don't think I know enough. I don't think I really know enough about what's going on this season yet to make that kind of commitment. So I'm just got to chill. And also, it's a bit of effort, isn't it? Like, you know, international yeah. break. It's like a time for rest. It's a time where you forget about the football get angry a bit at England and then just kind of sleep for the rest of it. So Yeah, I do think you have to like properly commit when you're doing a world card, you do have to be like paying a lot of attention. Unless you know exactly who you want and why you want them. Um yeah, I do find it a bit of a faff. <laughs> it really is. That was it. I didn't want to have to think that much no. and really like commit myself to it. But I guess it does depend on your circumstance, of course, because if you're in a situation where you've had a disastrous first two weeks and a lot of your players aren't playing. Slightly different to if you've had kind of like an okay score and you've got an okay team and, and you're, you know, in the middle of the pack, but you still you still have good players or like a good, good setup overall. And I feel like that's kind of where I am. Like the last two weeks, it's been bad times. Bruno Fernandes, been really painful to watch him play. Um, and I guess that leads quite nicely onto the first thing that we're actually going to start talking about, which is Manchester United. Uh, they have a pretty, pretty okay run, I guess. I mean, it's hard to really, hard to really nail it down because I think you would have said United of pretty much all the teams in the league, aside from maybe uh, Everton, had the best run to open the the season. Um, but I'm looking at Newcastle next and, and given the way they played against Southampton and the way they played, oh God, who did they play last week? Oh, that is not a question. Wolves? Wolves, yeah. I might have made it up. Yeah, no, you're right. They, they were so lucky to get away with a win from that game. I mean, that was pretty much Greenwood just having a, a great little moment, um, as he has done all season so far, actually. A bit of an inspired pick by you, of course, because you do have Greenwood in your team. And yeah, there's me sitting there, captain in Bruno Fernandes, thinking this guy, he's a great guy, and he's done sweet FA for the past two weeks. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking at those uh, Newcastle, West Ham, Villa and Everton and our next four. Of course, the big talking point here is Cristiano Ronaldo at 12.5, who's just signed... Uh, return to Manchester United after a, what, 10-year hiatus or something. I can't quite believe this. You've written here he's 14% owned already. Yeah. Is the hype that real? I... Yeah, I just want to say on Ronaldo, <laughs> um, I didn't like Ronaldo anyway. I've never liked Ronaldo. Just as a man, I think he's a bit of a twat. Um, but also, the whole him being a rapist thing really bothers me. So I would like to only talk about Ronaldo on this podcast in terms of facts and also when he is affecting other players. I don't want to talk about that man. That man is never getting in my team. No predators here, please. Thank you very much. Well, see, personally, I think you might be okay because... You know what? Me too. <laughs> Hashtag me too. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like... I don't understand this hype. I mean, I know he's like a huge name. He's had a, an illustrious career since leaving Man United. But last season, and I mean, maybe you can caveat this with like Pirlo being the manager for Juventus, but they finished in fourth and they were lucky to get there. 
And that was with Ronaldo being their top scorer. But yeah, I mean, it feels like Ronaldo at this point in his career, he's kind of the guy who goes and and the team just has to play to his tune after that. And Mm. I'm looking at Fernandes and I'm thinking, shit, like, how is this going to affect him? Because I have this image in my mind of watching the Portugal game the other day where they scraped past Republic of Ireland, who have been, uh, to all intents and purposes, absolutely terrible for the last God knows how long. They were one nil down until late on, and then Ronaldo scores two goals and breaks the the international goal scorer record. And it's all about Ronaldo and oh, he's done this and oh, the team the team just scraped past Republic of Ireland. And I I have to think like they if they played just a better, more balanced team that wasn't there to serve Ronaldo, might they have just won the game anyway? And it the narrative becomes all about him because oh, he scored these two goals, oh, he's amazing. I have a feeling that might be what happens with United this year, where Ronaldo will probably be quite good. Like, he'll he'll get all the penalties, he'll take every free kick, even though he only scores one in, like, 700,000 that he actually takes. Um, and he'll generally be quite slow and lumbering, but he'll get goals because he knows where to stand in the penalty box. Is Ronaldo actually just Harry Kane in a Portuguese suit? <laughs> kind of not because i think the thing that's different apart from the raping obviously yeah yeah um i think harry kane is probably more about the technical side of the game and he's never really been about the physical whereas ronaldo he's his main thing these days seems to be scoring headers right um which obviously earlier in his career he wasn't that kind of player at all he was a lot more of a sort of tricky winger um, but yeah, I'm kind of concerned like about how this affects Bruno, how this affects the team as a whole. I know like the fans are very ex- well, not all of the fans, but I know probably a decent amount of United fans are very excited about this. I know FPL fans are certainly excited about this, but I do have a feeling that this Ronaldo is not going to be the same guy that left the Premier League at all. And like I said, you know, finishing fourth with Juventus, who Juventus until last year, walked the league every season easily. Um, and I know like Conte was there and Lukaku had a, like a breakout couple of seasons, really. And they were pushing for them last year. But it just strikes me as like, this really is a guy on the way down, even though he is like a, a great player. The, the thing I was going to say about Portugal is I just have this uh, vision of, of Bruno Fernandes being subbed off and stropping. And that's kind of like exactly the way his season's gone so far after that day one hat trick like the Mm. last two games he's got he got himself booked in the the second one i can't remember i think yeah he was booked in both games actually both of the last two games they just didn't concede so he finished on two points of course um he seemed very stroppy and it seems to be connected to you know the way that um the the referees are refereeing games now they're not giving like petty fouls as often as they used to and that was what led to Southampton's goal in the second game. And he just seems to be talking himself into the book every single game. And as soon as he has that kind of strop moment where the referee doesn't give him the call he wants, he kind of disappears. Mm. And, and United just hopelessly pass the ball around and wait for something to happen. I can't see that getting better when the guy who, who basically overshadows him in the national team is now in his club team. Yeah. And and that kind of concerns me. Like, uh, this is obviously all just me projecting on what I think might happen, but that's kind of what 
at that price, 12.5, I really think that's, that's a lot for a guy who's not proven it in this league for a long time. And he's coming back a very different player. And he's, you know, had one of his, one of his worst seasons in the past year of, of many years. So yeah, in, in general, I mean, I can tell that you're not going to get him. He could be like, if I managed to go last season without Harry Kane, I yeah. can quite easily manage to go this season without Ronaldo. It's not going to bother me at all. And yeah, I guess the question after that is like, how does this affect the other guys? Like Fernandez, I've already talked about. Greenwood, does he drop to the bench? Surely not. Like, surely you wouldn't see how Greenwood has played for the last three games. Like, even if mm. they have just been lucky or just like tapids, he's just been in the right place at the right time. Like, he has effectively won them those games. Yeah. Surely you could not then be like, well, thanks for those three weeks, but we're done with you now and stick him on the bench. Like, that would just be rude. It would be, and I agree. But then at the same time, that kind of shit happens all the time in football. And you're like, why have you done that? You're crazy. Not on my watch. (laughs) Thanks, Ollie. I mean, I, I guess Greenwood, his position is kind of the right hand or left hand side. So it really becomes a question then of who those winger options are, um, who the first choice winger options are. Sancho has looked really poor so far. It's, what have they bought all these players for? Like, where do they intend to put them? It's a bit <laughs> like Liverpool a couple of seasons ago, where, like, I guess they'd got... I can't remember who else they took, but when they got Shakiri and they got someone else in the same time... And also Chamberlain and maybe like Nabi Keita and they'd all come in at the same time. And I was like, where are they going to go? Like who, <laughs> that you've only got so much space. Why have you bought all these players? What are you going to do with them? I, I guess with Man United, they are, they are trying to build a very strong first 11 and then I guess use those other guys as, as rotational options. They will, of course, have Champions League football to play. So there will be plenty of opportunities for all of those players to, to play. But if we're talking strictly in the Premier League, I mean, I have to think that surely Ronaldo will get the nod pretty much every game. He's got the number seven from Cavani, which I just, I wouldn't do it if I was Cavani. I'd be like, screw you. He's on, like, Ronaldo is honestly such a prick. And you know, he would have <laughs> like kicked off if he wouldn't, if he hadn't got that number. Like, but you don't understand about my brand. And it's like, uh, oh, yeah. fuck off. No one cares. I imagine it was talked about before he signed that he would get the number seven because, you know, that is that is him. But yeah, yeah. if I was Cavani, I would have been like, why don't you fuck off? Cavani, man of the people. (laughs) Assuming Cavani isn't also a predator, but Cavani, I mean, because there's been no football, I'm just going to keep taking all of these tangents and running with them. (laughs) Cavani goes back home to Uruguay and does like farming in the off season. Oh, is that what he was doing just now? Is that why he was too busy to come back? Just doing but some quite, farming? Quite possibly. Like if you oh. go on like his Instagram or whatever, you always see photos of him in like a beret with like a, a, um, what do you call them? Like a, a pickaxe, <laughs> just oh like God. doing, doing work in the fields and stuff. And he also does yoga. Um, <laughs> wow. I think he teaches yoga. Oh, okay. Was it, oh no, sorry, not yoga, ballet. Um, okay this is Graham Potter territory yeah yeah and he does it as like a community thing back home and I I just thought that's really sweet (laughs) it's it's really nice of him to 
you know, a guy who's like a multi-millionaire uh, who doesn't need to work or do anything really is uh, just doing a bit of ballet. This is now a Cavani Stan account. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've always loved Cavani even before I knew this. So this just kind of made the love stronger. And I'm in, in fact this is another reason for me to hate Ronaldo. You know, rapism, rapism. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it will be referred to from now on. I love that. Oh god, rapism notwithstanding. Uh, <laughs> oh lord. <laughs> So Cavani is Uruguay's answer to Marcus Rashford, essentially. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, although he did, of course, have his little uh, racist incident, but Who, that was Cavani. A, yeah, yeah, the oh. thing he posted on Instagram before, but that was like a uh, apparently a lost in translation thing. But oh, yeah, okay. swings and roundabouts. Um, yeah, this does really mean the end for Cavani. I think in terms of being an FPL option unless Ronaldo gets injured, mm. because he's got to get that, that striker role. But what did they sign them both for? It doesn't make any sense to me. I just don't understand it. Well, Cavani obviously was before they knew that this Ronaldo thing would be happening. But I'd so... just be loyal to like the person I'd signed. I'd be like, no, <laughs> I've made this decision. This is my man. My personal take on this, which is a little bit conspiracy, but it's a little bit like putting, kind of putting the pieces together, you know? I kind of think that Man City were never really the intended destination, but I feel feel like they were used as a way to draw Man United out. So, like, mm. uh, his agent was probably putting the feelers out and, like, leaking this stuff to the press about Man, Man City potentially signing him and him being open to going there. And Man United being Man United, you know, they want to... They want to prove that they're the biggest club still in England and they're the best club and they're the destination that, that everyone should want to be. Um, I think essentially the agent was using City to get United to come out of the woodwork and offer probably a better deal that he would have got mm. uh, than he would have gotten at City. Because, uh, you know, we talked about City before and how they don't they spend a lot, but they don't love to be the the biggest spenders necessarily. And they don't love to like really go crazy on wages and stuff i have a feeling the ronaldo wages are gonna be I, like i don't know if they've been reported anywhere but they must be like in the sort of 400 500k region which you know is like the highest in the league essentially so yeah i feel like this is kind of a bit of opportunism from the agent and being like oh yeah we'll flirt with man city a bit so we get united to come out and pay the money and united can't from a pr standpoint be seen to have their the guy that they made, you know, the the wonder kid that that came to them and became the all-conquering superstar. They can't be seen to lose him to not only their rivals, but their local rivals. Mm. Um, so I do think there was probably a bit of that to it. And United kind of saw this as like a an opportunity to put themselves in the frame for the league title, but also from a, a PR standpoint, it was important that they that they got this done. But, you know, you've had my take. I mean, I don't think that this actually makes them much better because he's, you have to play to Ronaldo's tune now. That's just the way it's got to be. And I think he's a guy that maybe, he wouldn't say this, but I think he maybe prioritises personal accolades more than the team accolades. Maybe that's not even his something he's conscious of, but I'm sure he'll score a lot of goals because 
they'll get penalties and whatnot. But like, I don't think he's going to be anywhere near as good as, as people are expecting. And, you know, I could have egg on my face in a few weeks, but, but we shall see, I guess. Yeah. Um, who else is there in that front line? Because it, it's obviously Greenwood's Martial, Rashford, who's, who's yet to come back. Is Rashford nearing fitness? I don't think so. Because I know he had surgery fairly recently, but I think it was only, uh, let's see, apparently he's expected back mid-October. So yeah, still a long time for Rashford, fair enough. Yeah, Sancho, um, I mean, I imagine no one's looking at him now because I've just seen his prices drop to 9.2, Jesus, 0.3 drop already. And then you've got guys like, well, and then you've got man like Lingard, who Man United didn't want to get rid of. Hmm. who wouldn't let go to West Ham. And now what, what's he going to do? Just sit around. He could barely fit on the bench at this point. Poor guy. Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, this is a problem with modern football, especially in the COVID era, is that a lot of these teams just don't have the money to buy these players. And I guess West Ham would have probably happily taken him, but didn't want to pay the fee that United wanted or United's... You know, I, I don't actually have great information here. I, I think it was more that United would not sell him. Yeah. Rather than West Ham couldn't afford to buy. Yeah, was it that they wouldn't sell him because they thought he had a position in the squad or they wouldn't sell him because West Ham wouldn't meet the price? I, I don't guess know. that's Surely, I guess that tells the story, really, whichever one of those it is. But I feel like, to me, at this point, it it seems like they didn't want to sell because... They were selling to a club that could be contesting them for a European spot hmm. this season. Yeah, potentially. Um, I don't know. Although I don't... West Ham looking pretty pretty decent without him. <laughs> so it's kind of... It's just so happened. But I'll wait until Antonio gets injured again. Yeah, I, I mean, that was one of the reasons I was so reluctant to go for Antonio at the start of the season. It's like, oh, it's only got to be like 30 minutes and this guy's going to be injured. Mm. Instead, it's been like 270 minutes uh, minutes of genius football that I've <laughs> I've never seen before in, in the world. So like, yeah, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with him so far. Um, we can move straight on to West Ham if you like. Yeah, yeah, let's let's do it. Let's chat about the old hammers. So Antonio is actually now 50% owned. Uh, so maybe... Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. <laughs> that is not a joke. Oh, God. That's bad. Yeah. That's, this is how I lose at FPL. Um, Damn it. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. And, I, you know, like, who knows how long that might last. Too long. And the biggest problem, I think, in West Ham's camp is that they're... Squad isn't very big, and the fixture congestion is coming in thick and fast. Um, so they have, well, I guess most of the teams at the top of the traditional top of the table have uh, now games every midweek for the next month. Um, because game week four is followed by European football, and then there's League Cup in the midweek after that, and then again. Europe after that before the international break after game week seven so I don't know how West Ham are gonna handle that seven yeah oh I forgot there was another one so soon Mm -hmm. yeah okay European football is exciting though that's good I'm glad that's back and you're quite right this is this is 
they don't have another striker. Like, certainly, according to FPL, <laughs> like, I, I don't know... I don't know if they have some young guy that they can play there or, you know, I think they might actually end up doing, I reckon like Jared Bowen might play there or something. I don't even know or, who that is. Or Yarmolenko. You don't know who Bowen Yarmolenko is? Yarmolenko doesn't even start. Yeah. So he, I, I mean, um, in Europe is what oh, I'm talking right. about. But they so need like, to win those, no? <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, but also you can't play, you can't keep playing Antonio. Like with his injury history, if you know. want to go far in the league, like I, it depends what West Ham's objectives are this year. Mm. Because if they want to stay in Europe, then they'll need to rotate for sure. And especially with this like decent start they've had to the season, I mean, not quite a hundred percent record, but you know, two wins out of three is not bad at all, and a bunch of goals scored. They're gonna to want to keep that going. Mm. Um, I can't believe that. Antonio is 50% owned, but of course he is because everyone probably has been wildcarding. And yeah, if you are wildcarding, you'd be stupid not to, right? Like he's already gone up by 0.4. I mean, by the time this week is over, I imagine it will be up to up to 8.0 if it can go that far in this in this period. Um, how do you feel about their fixtures? Because they do. They get a bit sort of up and down after here. They've got Southampton next, which. I think it's an interesting one because they obviously did really well against United. Uh, were unlucky to to only come away with a point in the end. Uh, put up a really good, strong defensive performance. And I'm starting to. I feel like I'm starting to see like what Southampton are capable of um, under under their coach, my fave guy Hasenhutl. <laughs> um, I feel like we're starting to see the results of like his coaching a bit more because you know, their squad isn't being ravaged by having to play every two or three days because uh, they also, of course, have a, a pretty terribly small squad. Um, but yeah, they put in a really good performance against uh, Newcastle, I think, last week. We're unlucky not to win it. Uh, came away with, a, I think, a 2-2 draw in the end. But loads and loads of chances in that game and generally just look to be a team on the up. I have to imagine, after seeing the first few games West Ham have played, they're going to be very cautious of Antonio and just their general like attacking attacking verve that they're playing with and then if we look after the Southampton game it's Man United Leeds Brentford Everton Tottenham Aston Villa Liverpool Wolves Man City like that's a nasty run right like maybe you could look at sort of Leeds Brentford and Everton as those are kind of okay fixtures for them what are fixtures when you're Mikel Antonio doing goals? Who cares? That's a good counterpoint, to be fair, because he is just, he's just a phenom right now. I don't understand any of it. And I foolishly, when I had the choice between Antonio and Ben Rama, I was like, mm, yeah, I need to get rid of this midfield bitch I have, Harvey Barnes. So I'll go for Ben Rama because I want to keep Ivan Tony. And Tony did score, but. Mm. Antonio is just like points galore. 13, 16, 11. That, ugh, that's ridiculous. So I should have taken Tony out rather than be the bitch. Yes. Okay. In hindsight, maybe. But yeah. I don't <laughs> entirely agree with so many people shipping out Tony before game week three. Because yeah. at no other point in the season would a player in your team who didn't return for two weeks immediately be like on your radar to be 
out of your team. Like, it's so nuts to me that someone who is, to be fair to him, new to the Premier League, never played in the Premier League before, uh, didn't happen not to score in two games for everyone to then be like, yeah, well, this guy, he's out. Like, it's just so weird. It's so weird to me. Such lack of yeah. belief. A lack of a, foresight. In a man who has lack scored of patience. 10 trillion goals last season. Hmm. I just like have some belief in the poor guy who's doing his best. Well, you are quite right. And I, I think that is kind of the thinking that led to me deciding not to wildcard this hmm. week. Is that, you know, three weeks, it's enough to give you some indication of what the season might be like. But really, are we expecting West Ham to be scoring like three plus goals in every game this season? Like, I don't really think that is the case. And if you look at some of the goals that Antonio scored, for example, and it's just like that was a guy with the Midas touch in that moment, like Mm. just absolutely smashing it. I think they're going to hit a spell where where things become a bit more difficult. And I, I think that can be said of all teams. And, you know, the opposite can hopefully be said of teams like Arsenal, who are sitting <laughs> bottom of the table right now. Um, well, actually, no, I think we're 19th, aren't we? I think Norwich is still behind us, at least. I don't think that's true, because Norwich have scored a goal. Smith Rowe, for example, is a guy, you know, I'm sticking with him, because I went pretty big on him being like a, a really undervalued uh, player this season in FPL, and he's dropped in price by one pip so far, but like... Yeah, like I, I think, you know, you'll probably see a different Arsenal eventually because they'll get some players back like Partey, who's been missing. Um, they'll hopefully stop like being looking like they hate football and want to retire. And um, yeah, I just think in general, like we don't really have enough of a clear idea of who the sort of standout teams are to really be able to make those big calls. And, you know, betting the house on Ronaldo right now sounds terrifying to me. Like Lukaku would be my guy, actually, if I was going to pick one of one of those two. If you were um, wildcarding this in this period of time, hmm. would you be getting Lukaku in now? Um, so I'd definitely be making a change to my forward line. And the question would be, I've got Salah, he's definitely staying. Um, I've got Fernandez, and I don't want to kick him, kick him out necessarily. But I am thinking there are potentially better, cheaper options out there. And that would kind of, it would hinge on whether or not I keep him. And that whether or not I keep him hinges on midfield options. And I'm kind of looking at like who I can replace with. Is there anyone from Chelsea? Like, no, not really, because the Chelsea guy you want to go for is Lukaku, right? Like, there are no attacking midfielders, apart from maybe Havertz, but I think he didn't even start the last game. And like, He's not, he's not that same level of prolific. Um, and I'm looking at Sancho, you know, he'd be a great cheaper, cheaper option, but he's been disastrous so far. And I'm not saying that I think Sancho is going to be disastrous all season, but like he doesn't look ready for the Premier League yet. He looks like he needs to do some adjusting. Maybe Human Son is the, is the other potential guy. He's the only guy I'm looking at in midfield that's kind of in that price range that, that makes sense. But yeah, Lukaku, I think it would depend on whether or not I stick with... Oh, 
Well, put it this way. My front line at the moment is Tony, Calvert-Lewin and Balogun. And it'd be very easy to go from Balogun to Antonio. I'm not quite sure what I'd do if I was going to get Lukaku in. It would have to be Fernandez out, I think. And I just don't know if... Yeah, I'm not sure. But I do think Chelsea's fixtures look kind of nice, right? Like they... Mm. Who they have... I disagree. So, so they have Villa, Spurs and City. Not great. But after that, it's pretty good. After that is good. But then I think we can just deal... So my plan is to just deal with Lukaku uh, after the next international break or during the next hmm. international break. Um, until then, I'm just not really interested. Yeah. Yeah, and you're not going to come up against a, a defence as disorganised as Arsenal every week. So we'll have a bit more of an opportunity to actually look at him um, and how he's playing. And I guess this is why it's kind of weird to me how everyone is going so hard on Ronaldo, right? Like, Lukaku has, to my mind, been one of the top three strikers in the world over the past year. And his form has been, you know, sensational. Who else do we want to talk about? <laughs> I'd like to talk about Wolves, please. Ah, uh, that's a good shout. Wolves have been great. Thank you. So Wolves fixtures uh, turn from this oh. coming game week, coming game week, this forthcoming game week, coming. Um, and I've got some facts and some stats. Uh, this first one, Charlie pointed out. Hello. Uh, Jimenez and Traore, uh, 7.4 and 6 million respectively. Uh, have the joint third most shots so far this season with 12 shots. Uh, they also share this third spot with Mane. And also this man, Trincao, I assume is how I'm pronouncing his name. Uh, Trincao is the joint, has the joint fourth most shots on target so far this season with five also joint with Saudi Mane. Um, so the question is, why is the ball not going in the goal? I do not know. Uh, I don't think I've watched a Wolves game and I'm not sure if I've watched the highlights for any of the... Oh, I did the first week, but I'm not sure if I've watched mm. the highlights for either of the next ones. Um, so they're attacking. There is obviously potential for goals to happen. Um, promising. Also, Willy Bolly. He's almost back. He's almost ready to return. And uh, someone on TikTok told me uh, this week that Bolly isn't the player he used to be. And I'm like, used to be when? Because I think you'll find it was either last season or maybe the season before. But it must be last season. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It was recent enough. And the um, Wolves' defensive record without Bolly when he was injured compared to like the first five weeks after he was back starting in, back in the starting lineup was insane. So to me, Bolly is key. And as soon as he's back in the starting lineup, 10, 10, 10, everyone's good. Wolves, clean sheets <laughs> all over the joint. Um, and similar uh, story with Mosquera, who was a, a Wolves summer signing, um, also a central defender who is closing in on being ready uh, up to match fitness. It's nice. It's going to be clean sheets. It's going to be goals. And those are my reasons why, unlike someone who earlier this week I watched say, that Wolves will be better, but gave actually no reasons why they will be better. I've brought them. I've brought your reasoning. We can all move on now. Wolves Thanks. will be better. I'm inspired by that. That's good. Great, great insight. Um, yeah, I mean, I have to say, like, 
I've watched a, a little bit of Wolves this season. I mean, it's literally been that United game, I guess, is, mm. is the main one I've seen. But they were sensational in that game. I think they were similarly good against Spurs. And I can't remember the other game they played, but I seem to remember it being the exact same outcome. Um, yeah, the first game of the season, Leicester 1-0. So they've lost 1-0 three times in a row. And in each of those games, they've had an unholy amount of shots. And Adama Traore, in particular, has had a number of very, very good chances that he definitely should have scored. So he's pretty high on my watch list at the moment. The problem I have with Traore is that it's the same problem it's, uh, that he's had for his entire career so far. It's that he's a guy that is amazing all the way up until he actually has to deliver some end product. Mm. And he seems to be under Bruno Lage Lager. I'm not sure how you actually say his name. Um, he seems to be used almost as like a, a striker as well as a winger. And that is what's got him sort of finding himself in the middle, like with one-on-one opportunities against the goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, he, he absolutely just needs to find his shooting boots essentially and start putting chances away. But Wolves have been like defensively solid. I mean, the game against uh, Spurs, they conceded to a penalty. Uh, the game against United, you know, they were the better team for pretty much the entire 90 minutes. And it was one moment of of Greenwood basi- basically being the difference. He he got the ball on the right. He took, took someone on and he finished it from a, a difficult angle. Prior to that, you know, Adama Traore had been through one-on-one with the goalkeeper and failed to score. And it's like those are the margins that, that have led Wolves to have such a terrible start so far despite looking like one of the more exciting and sort of more threatening teams in the league. So I think your bolly shout is good. I I actually think defensively they have been, you know, pretty much spot on anyway, and they've been unlucky to concede three goals in three games. Um, Likewise, I think they've been unlucky not to score. So I actually think Jimenez, Jimenez and Adama would be the two that I'd look at. Uh, Trincao, he's a very highly rated youngster. Um, from Barcelona. I think he's on loan. But I think he's got to be the guy that's getting subbed early quite a lot. And I guess you can, you know, he is, um, he's 0.1 cheaper than Traore. So there's not too much of a difference there. But yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm I'm not, go on. For like bonus points and stuff, you'd probably just look for Traore. Like if Traore is doing crazy runs and pushing people over and, killing people as he's running up the pitch like <laughs> that's probably the guy you'd I don't know I haven't seen yeah. Trinkau do the football at all yeah to be honest I I haven't noticed him too much uh, and sometimes you can have a bit of a bias for players who are like more visible and mm. there isn't a player that in the world that is more visible than <laughs> Treore well apart from like, maybe San Maximo he's another option but he's a guy that I'd probably watch a bit a bit more before deciding to go for him but yeah Wolves are, are a team that I think there should in theory be value for, uh, coming from them soon um and yeah it certainly helps if their fixtures are turning around um so what we've got Watford Brentford Southampton and Newcastle in the next four and I think those are certainly you'd probably look at that and think 
a team of their quality, the way they've played so far, they'd be looking for at least two out of four wins there, if not three out of four. And if you wanted to go early, like, uh, if you're on a wild card now, I'd probably consider it. I don't know if I'd do that if that was like my one free transfer this week, because obviously, um, well, I've already done mine. I, I brought Calvert Lewin in for whoever the hell I had before. Oh, Danny Ings, that was it. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of. Um, they're definitely a bit a big one to watch for me, and yeah, I, I agree with your defensive shout for sure. Like, Bolly is a is a good player, um, and does tend to sort of pick up a fair amount of the bonus points when he does play. Um, is there anyone else good in the league? I mean, Man City probably deserve a little bit of a look at because what they've won two games five nil and lost one one nil, which is uh, how how does that happen? But yeah, they've got uh, the the question with Man City, I guess, as it always is, is like, is there anyone that you can rely on here? And I, I guess looking forward as well, Leicester, Southampton, Chelsea, Liverpool in their fixtures, that that's kind of a bit of a turn off for me. I, I don't know if you're the same. Do you have your eye on anyone from City, or do you think they're they're kind of a no no go for now? Well, funny you bring it up. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking to get rid of Harvey Barnes. Right. And I don't know for whomst. Uh but Torres is on my on my list of potential men who could potentially replace him potentially. Yeah. Um just because he's the right price, really. Um that's mostly it. But I haven't seen that much of him. I don't know how good he is really. Um and I guess, I, like, I genuinely, I would probably be looking at Jesus if it was someone who I could just slot in anywhere. Yeah. But obviously, I need a midfielder, not a striker. Yeah. So he's a man, but I don't know how committed I am to him being. Yeah, he's, a, he's an interesting one. I think the thing about Torres is he often finds himself operating in the striker role. And so far this season, like we've seen quite a lot of Jesus operating on the wings rather than as a striker. And he has, um, he generally plays on the wing for Brazil as well. So Torres has often found himself playing this sort of like number nine or like false nine role for, for City. And he is a pretty, I mean, he's a pretty um, unremarkable player. He doesn't do like... <laughs> He doesn't do loads of skills. He doesn't right. do stuff that makes you, you know, kind of the the antithesis to Traore. Put it this way, okay. like Traore is very visible but has no end product, whereas Torres seems like the perfect sort of Pep Guardiola system player who he just understands the instructions, he understands the, the role, and he understands like where to be at, at what time, um, how to find himself in the right place at the right time and how to score, essentially. We saw a bit of that last season and I feel like he's a player that's only going to get better this year. And I guess if I was looking at all of the City players, like Jesus, you mentioned 8.6, but he's a striker, which is a problem problem area because there's a lot of value in that range and probably people that are, well, definitely people that are more assured of a start. Whereas Torres, you can kind of afford to, you can afford to gamble on that because he's 7.1 now. The alternatives would be Grealish or Gundogan, um, Sterling at, at 
10.9 is probably out of the question for now. De Bruyne is still injured. I mean, Grealish is 8 million. That's 0.9 more than Torres. And he's never been a guy with a huge amount of end products. Gundogan, he's playing a much deeper role. I know he did have a great season last year. Mares is another option, but 8.9, that's kind of a bit too much for a rotation risk. It does seem like Torres would be, if you're going to go for someone from, uh, from City, I probably think that's a pretty decent shout. Um, and I've just uh, seen on your notes, you have a few alternatives here that you've listed. Do you want to talk me through them? I can. Um, so at the moment, I can't get Calvert-Lewin in because hmm. my strikers are sewed up uh, until Antonio inevitably gets injured. Um, who, who are your strikers, by the way, just for a recap? I can't remember. Antonio Wilson. Wilson? Yeah. And um, <laughs> and Tony. So I'm really happy with, unless Wilson is actually injured, which I'm sure he probably isn't. Um, I'm really happy with those three. Yeah. Um, and I've got absolutely no reason to get rid. Like, if you could have four strikers, I would obviously also have Calvert-Lewin there as well. But that's not how the game is played. Maybe there should be an extra striker chip. <laughs> yeah. Alas. There's quite a lot this season, aren't there? Quite a lot to choose from. Which is funny because I feel like last year there weren't. There were like no strikers. Yeah. Um, it was it was all midfield and mm. they had guys like Aubameyang move to, to midfield. And I think was Martial a midfielder last year as well? No, I think maybe he was a striker still. But like, mm. yeah, yeah, it was, it was a bit weird. I, I think there was kind of a dearth of like good strikers in the league as well. They were all sort of mid-table guys it was like your Ings and Calvert-Lewin and, and, and whatnot and Bamford exactly it was those mid-table guys who ended up being sort of the the best the best picks yeah but continue sorry yeah so there's no space in my front my front boys so to cover that Everton space uh I'm thinking about either Gray or Decore uh Demar Gray has two goals so far and Decore a goal and an assist the 5.6 and 5.5 at the moment and I think it is kind of like a much of a muchness over which one you pick right now um I would really I would like one of them to fill that gap kind of like the problem not problem is that I have like Barnes is 6.8 million and I already have 1 million in the bank so downgrading to Decore feels like maybe I don't know I'm worried that I should probably tie that money up somewhere, somehow. But also, again, if the players you've got are getting you points and your squad is only costing you 90 million, like, who cares? The job is done. So I don't know if it's actually a problem or it's just something I'm inventing as a problem. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's always, it's usually, not always, uh, good to have some money in the bank because it does mean that you can... Yeah, but you can have an upgrade. I don't need 2.3 million sitting in the bank, do I? That's the thing. Yeah, you don't. But I don't know. You might find that you do in two weeks' time. There yeah. might be someone that emerges in a higher price bracket that you're like, oh, shit, I want him. Mm. And but, you couldn't have that player if, you, if you'd spent all of your cash, right? Yeah. The key is that I do to have two free transfers this week. So I'm only using one just to make sure I don't lose one. Yeah. So if actually in two weeks time something does happen and i do want oh my god i need lukaku in i can't, hmm. i do still kind of have 
a bit of wiggle room to make that happen. Right. So, so that makes the extra cash kind of less less yeah. of a factor. I see. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Grey and Ducore. Grey is a guy I spoke about in the preseason pod, and I, I was kind of like quite critical of him being another kind of no end product guy. And I'm not quite sure if this is just kind of one of those hot streak early starts that, that players sometimes get, you know, like Teimu Puki in his first mm. season in the Premier League where he started so well and then kind of tailed off. Um, I am quite surprised by how well Gray has started with, what, two goals um, two goals in three games so far. It's, it's pretty impressive. Um, I don't know if I'd bank on him to continue at that rate, but then when you're comparing him with Ducore, who's a player who plays in a, a deeper position in midfield, although he has been told to get forward more, it's kind of a, a tricky one because I think Ducore is the better player, but he's not in as attacking a role. Like the bottom so, line like, is obviously I would just get Ducore because I like Ducore. Yeah, more. yeah, yeah. Sometimes it does come down to that, and I mean. I would be curious to see if Gray can, you know, Gray is a guy that if I was on a wild card right now, I'm still not sure I'd be looking at him. But this is maybe me being a bit biased because of how I remember him and how how he did in in the Bundesliga. And it could be that he's just come back and he's got a good manager, a good team around him, and and he's going to have a really good season. But I do feel that this might be a bit of an early trap, albeit a pretty cheap one, so it's quite easy to yeah. get out of. Um, Torres we've already spoken about but like yeah he's a he he thinks like a striker so he makes sense to me but those like um city fixtures with Leicester next Leicester love playing City like they just love counter-attacking them and they have Vardy so I'd be a little bit concerned about that fixture which is why I might maybe wouldn't go for him right away yeah but you never know I mean I'm just looking the reason I'm more concerned about that is because of how they dealt with Spurs on day one. They really didn't have an answer for for Spurs just hitting them on the counter. And I have a feeling that's exactly what Leicester are going to do. And Vardy is just so effective at it. And I could easily see that being like quite a low-scoring game. Whereas Everton do actually have like a pretty decent run of fixtures left until they face Man United a few weeks from now. Yeah. Uh, Mason Mount, you've got down here as well. Not he so just, hot on him personally. No, me neither. And he just kind of fits the fits the fits in the slot, uh, essentially. Yeah. And I guess he would be a player that I would want to be getting in if I was more worried that Lukaku would do some crazy things in the next few weeks. And I just wanted some Chelsea cover. Yeah. Um. But actually, yeah, I'm not overly fussed about it. Like. I could I could take him or leave him, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the way that Chelsea play, there's sort of no... They don't have, like, a playmaker who's, like, the main guy. I mean, they have Jorginho, who's, like, a, a playmaker in a different sense. He's not the guy who assists all the time. He's the guy who kind of keeps things, things running in midfield. Mm. But Chelsea don't have one guy that assists all the goals. <laughs> and that's kind of the problem, like... It, it makes their midfielders so hard to evaluate because Mount is probably, I mean, Mount probably is their, the guy you'd look at and say he is their, their like attacking midfield playmaker. But I kind of feel like he's a pre-assist guy most of the time, you know, he's the yeah. guy who's setting up the moves for 
the wing backs to cross it in, whether that be Reese James or like um, Marcus Alonso, who's having a little resurgence. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I just really struggle with that Chelsea midfield because I don't know who starts every week. I think Havertz is probably the best pick just because he's a goal scorer. Um, and I'd count on him being more reliable at doing that than Mount would be assisting, but Mount is the guy who's pretty much guaranteed minutes, so it it becomes a case of Lukaku is really the only option there, and your other option here, someone we've already spoken about, is Traore, who... It's tempting. (laughs) Like, I'd almost want to recommend it if I didn't have literal years of evidence of Traore being a low-scoring FPL asset. (laughs) I think, actually, like... The, the data says that he needs to score at some point soon. And really, yeah. I just kind of want him for those good Wolves fixtures. Yeah. But it's also the kind of move that I could make, like, in two weeks' time. If Ismail Asara has really pissed me off, I can just get rid of him and put Traore in, and it's not yeah. a problem at all. Um, so I'm not, like, that bothered about it. I'd rather actually see some evidence of goals in the net before I committed to Traore yeah I guess that's the way to look at it right like there's a lot of upside potential for Traore but there's also a significant downside to going for him early it's like what if this streak of Wolves just losing every game 1-0 continues for four five more games it could feasibly happen like they've been playing really well the XG suggests that they are on the road to being a really like fun attacking team well they are a fun attacking team but like a fun attacking and goal scoring team (laughs) yeah that's what the data suggests but the data is not always what happens in real life Mm. so I I think I'm kind of with you on that where it's we need to see the evidence of that starting to happen and starting to click before you you take that plunge unless of course you're looking for a sort of fourth or fifth mid who it's very unlikely he'll be your fifth mid, but maybe your fourth. And in that case, like you might be able to take a punt there if you can kind of easily sub him out and you've still got a strong team. Um, but yeah, I think we kind of need to wait and see a little bit there. Um, but yeah, Harvey Barnes, sad times for him. He's had a really, really average start to the season. I, th- I think Leicester have had a pretty average start, actually. And it's become Vardy season again. This always happens. He's so old now. How does he keep doing it? Uh, so you do have Son, right? No. No, you don't. Did you have him earlier? Nope. Okay, maybe maybe it was that you said you were thinking about getting uh, him. Yeah, I'd said last week when we were talking about captaincy choices that mm. if I'd had Son, he would certainly have been my captain, I think. And did he not score the only goal? Probably. In the game. Yeah, he did. They won... What was it? Was it the only goal? They they beat Watford, didn't they? It might have been 2-0. I think no, it, it was, was just It one. was 1-0, yeah. Um, yeah, and Son with the goal. Obviously, Harry Kane is back in the picture. What are your thoughts on Spurs? I mean, they've been really, they've been really strong defensively, which I guess is what you would have expected considering their, their new coach. I mean, Wolves have gone in the polar opposite direction in being like a, a crazy attacking team now. Well, Spurs... I'm kind of curious about because I haven't actually seen a full match of theirs. Mm. I don't think they've... Oh, no, I've seen the Man City one, but that's always... You can't necessarily garner how a team is going to play when they're playing Man City because yeah. they usually have a, a more counter-attacking approach. And that was so boring, that game. 
It was. It was pretty. It was pretty dull. I mean, I think as soon as Spurs got ahead, they're actually relatively com- comfortable, and that is, you know, that's Nuno. That's his management in a nutshell. He loves being in, in that situation where they've got a lead and they can just sort of hold on to it. And now he's got slightly better players than he had at Wolves, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've had really strong defensive records so far. I think we spoke about Loris in the last episode yeah. and I was absolutely shooken by, by the level. Of, and he kept another clean sheet against Watford that you might have expected. But do you think they're a, a team that we should be sort of looking at, at least one or two of their players? Um, I don't know. And actually, I did consider this uh, earlier today. Um, they have uh, Palace as the opening fixture of the next game week. So obviously no captaining. Uh, right. Because that would be chaotic. Yeah. Um, but then I didn't like that the next two fixtures were Chelsea and Arsenal. So Chelsea, who knows what could happen. And I say the same for Arsenal because I think that's a different game to like Arsenal Man City. Yeah, it's not the because there's so uh, uh, much narrative. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's obvious. It's like an obvious Spurs win. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't like those two fixtures at all, just because I couldn't commit to them. I couldn't commit to a defender because I didn't. I couldn't say that there were definitely going to be clean sheets there. Hmm. So I, I'm not. I remain uninterested. I think Kane is way too expensive. I think Son is like a little bit expensive, but I guess it depends on what you're doing with your front three. If you are keeping your cheaper guys for the moment, and you do want to get rid of Fernandez because will he play and will he just drop? Then maybe Son <laughs> is like a good option there. Hmm. But I'm. I don't really see many other ways to get him in if you don't already have him. Yeah, I, I feel like Son is like the only guy in that price range, like the mm. only midfielder in, in that. I'm just looking now. Well, I guess Deli Ali is an idea as well. Like he fits my Harvey Barnes slot, yeah. actually. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I There's just, something not right about it. Yeah, I just don't think he's very good. Like he's a he's an okay player, but I don't think he's ever going to be that player he was in the early sort of Pochettino days where he was this like free roaming sort of attacking midfielder. Which is so funny because I thought he was a lot older than he was now, but he's still like 12 years old or something. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, it's one of those examples where he, he really had a peak, Mm. like a, a few peak seasons at the age of like 20 and 21 or something. Um, and since then, I mean, he's been for a lot, obviously, because like the Mourinho appointment was was disastrous for him. He found himself out of the team. He found himself being one of those Mourinho isolated players who gets, you know, left out in the cold. And I think now he's trying to rebuild his career. But I don't think that we're going to get the same Deli Ali that we had back then. I think, you know, he, Nuno is a good coach. He's a different coach to Pochettino. I don't think he's got to use him necessarily in the same way. Time, time will tell if that's uh, if that's proven to to be false. But like Son is the guy that you'd look at at the moment. But yeah, I'm looking at the other guys in that price range right now, and like there is no one at that 10 million range. It's like Rashford at 9.4, Sancho at 9.2, Mares just under nine, Havertz is 8.3. Like he's kind of a unique unique guy there, right in that 
that sort of um space between like the the premium premium prices and the sort of mid-tier uh prices yeah i think you're right about the fixtures i mean the the arsenal one it's i I imagine they're rubbing their hands together at the moment but i do think we're likely to see a different arsenal after the break we've signed some players that should hopefully hopefully fingers crossed solve some of these issues um thomas Partey coming in uh, coming back into the side is going to be a, a big plus because honestly our midfield is terrible most of the time and having someone of that quality you know he was a big part of of our positive end to the season last year um and i think he really is a guy that that gets the attack kind of clicking a bit more because he's able to fire it into those front players quickly but yeah I, you know it's a north london derby they're surely not going to go into that and get absolutely hammered like 5-0. I, I would be surprised if that were the case. And I think it's at, at the Emirates, right? I mean, Chelsea are just looking really strong this year. I think they are... They have a lot of what sort of Nuno brings in their side in terms of that like defensive solidity. They play the back three. They really control games and don't really give the opposition much of a chance to do anything. So I'll be really interested to see how they deal with Spurs because Spurs is really, it's all, it's all about that counter-attacking threat from Son and Bergvine and, and all of these fast players that they have. I'll be interested to see if they're able to keep him quiet. Um, I would probably expect that they would, <clears throat> but I, I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, that would kind of be enough to turn me off of them, likewise with the defenders. Um Harry Kane, the one thing I wanted to mention, I'm a big fan of him just coming on getting yellow card. Like that is that is a great a great thing. Like he came on for 18 minutes in the second week, got a yellow card. That's it. My job's done for the day. Played the full 90 against Watford. No goals, no assists, one yellow card. I respect it. I respect it. I hope he keeps doing it. Aston Villa. Danny Ings. What's your what's your take on Danny Ings? So I got rid of him. Yeah, I'm not interested. I haven't been interested yeah. the whole time. So, and even and then the other week, I did have that lapse in judgment where I was interested for <laughs> five minutes, but now I'm not interested. Yeah, and about Chelsea, it. Everton, United, Spurs. Like, I, I can see why me from a week ago got rid of him immediately. <laughs> yeah, I was a little uh, concerned about oh, Wendy uh, having to quarantine when returning from uh, his deportation from Brazil. Uh, but actually, I'm not that fussed because was I going to play him anyway? I don't know. Let's just move on. Let's just move on and talk about captains. Captains and clean sheets for game week four. Well, don't mind if I do. Um, okay. Let me tell you what I think because I was just looking. My problem is I think... If you have a Man United player, you might want to be captaining them against Newcastle. But I think the problem is, if I had Ronaldo, I wouldn't want to captain him because I don't know what he's going to be like. Is he going to start? I don't know. Mm. You'd assume, but I don't know. I don't know about his business. I don't even know where he is. Is he in the country? I do not know. (laughs) I guess not because he just played international football. But anyway, by the by. and if you've got anyone who isn't Ronaldo, are they going to play? Are they going to start? What are they going to look like? Who knows? So that's a problem. So currently, I do have my captaincy on 
Antonio against Southampton. Because it seems obvious. But, again, another three o'clock captain. I'm not into it. I don't like it. I don't like these early captains. It doesn't feel good in my heart. So I think the boring option is Antonio or Salah against Leeds. Yeah, the boring option is Salah. Antonio is still a renegade option, I think. I don't agree, but okay, sure. Well, why is it not renegade when Salah is playing Leeds who conceded like a million goals against United? Okay. Okay, yeah, fine. Accept fine. your renegade fine. status, damn it. <laughs> fine. Um, the real renegade captain, I think, and I think it's unlikely that anybody listening to this is going to have an option, but the real renegade captain would be an Arsenal player against Norwich. <laughs> I was just thinking it myself as well. And I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I just don't know who you'd pick. I, I mean, I wouldn't mind Saka. I think that could be quite a good one if you had him. Because he's cheap, you know, he's easy to get in. If you're looking for a like, real renegade transfer to make in or you're on a wild card, I think Saka is a nice... It just scored for England, of course, today. Um, he's pretty much a, a nailed-on starter for Arsenal week in, week out. One of very few. Um, mm. And while he hasn't historically been a huge goal scorer, I think one of the things that Arsenal are looking for this season is to get more in terms of goal scoring from Saka, Smith-Rowe, uh, from those younger players, and Erdegaard as well, is another one who I think a lot of people think he's kind of not a goal scorer, but I think his time in Spain with Sociedad, he was scored quite a few, um, and that's kind of what we're looking at. So it'd probably be one of those. Like, Aubameyang, at this point in time, like you just can't recommend it because you'd have to be getting rid of him so soon after because you just don't know, like... I mean, I think he'll be a central striker. I think that's what's going to happen. Um, but, you know, Arsenal are so, so chaotic at the moment, as they have been for some time. You really want to... Much like Traore, right? Like, you want to see some evidence of a turnaround before yeah. you kind of go all in, which is why I think Saka and Smith-Rowe very good options at those lower price ranges because you can have them but it's not like oh god they're not performing i need to get yeah. rid of them right away um and my final that made it sound like it was my final one it was my final one but now my final suggestion for captaincy but it's boring hmm. is the kaku because villa will 100 percent be out be without martinez in goal yeah. i don't know who their backup is Jed Steer? Oh, you're so right. Oh, damn it. That's enough to tempt me to wildcard to bring Lukaku in. <laughs> I don't think it's worth it, but I don't think it's worth it for like that one game nah. week. But if you have Lukaku, surely that's what you're doing. Yeah, because honestly, I think like Villa are not amazing defensively and taking away the goalkeeper who saves a lot of shots could be problematic for them. And I mean, even Martinez has gotten lucky a few times lately, like that, that offside um, Wilson penalty where he just absolutely mm. clattered him. Yeah. Like, and that was, you know, really, really tight as an offside. So I do think he's not immune to a mistake, but he's also a very good goalkeeper and losing him is going to be a big blow to them. So, yeah, I, I think you're right there. Like, it's a chance for Lukaku to really fill his boots. And I think him and Salah... To me, like those two look like the most compelling options. 
I think a lot of people will go for Ronaldo. I will love it when they walk away with one point because he's he's been booked for like bad mouth in the ref. I bet he takes his I bet he takes his shirt off celebrating a goal that gets <laughs> overturned offside. by VAR. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the dream scenario. You me. know what? I want to place a bet on that happening. That United one is interesting. Like I probably if you'd asked me like two weeks ago, I would have been like, oh yeah, Fernandez is my captain for this week. Not going near him for this week this time. Like that, just the way that he's been behaving and the way that his head's gone. Because that's what's most worrying to me. It's like, it seems like the way that he's reacting to things happening in the game is that he's just so pissed off that he, he can't like focus anymore and he can't, he can't like get himself involved. And one of the things that Fernandez has been so good at for the past few years is just basically making things happen in the game you know he'll have a shit game sometimes but he'll knock one in the top corner or find an amazing pass somewhere and i'm just not seeing that from him so far this season i don't think ronaldo makes that better i think he makes that worse um so yeah i agree with your shouts um there's a monday night shout you could go for for dominic calvert lewin potentially yeah he's another option another guy that seems to be remarkably consistent Mm. I'm a bit nervous about Burnley and their lack of clean sheets yeah. so far. Pope, what are you doing? Yeah, he he needs to um fix up pretty pretty sharp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Leicester versus Man City is an interesting one. I mean, Vardy, if you had him, that would be a real renegade captain. Vardy loves to get a little hat trick of penalties or whatever against Man City. I could see it happening again. Man City hate counterattacks, man. They can't live with them. And I just think that's always got to be the way. I think Pep might struggle against Leicester, even though I've been critical of their start to the season. But that is a renegade pick. I wouldn't, you know, even if you had him, I probably wouldn't recommend it. Um, and yeah, I, I guess the Spurs one, you know, it just breaks the analysis rule 101. So you can't go there. Can't be having that. All right. Should we move on to our clean sheet cup? What do we got, baby? Well, last uh, week we both got a point because you said Spurs against Watford and I said Man City against Arsenal. Nice. Oh, you hurt me (laughs) with that. Hmm, this isn't... Well, you know, actually, I think this is a really easy one. I'm going to go for Chelsea against Aston Villa. That just seems like the most obvious clean sheet of all of these. Cool. I'm going to go for Spurs against Crystal Palace. Yeah. That was the second most obvious one. <laughs> I thought they were the other way around. I thought Spurs was the most obvious and Chelsea was the second most obvious. No, I, I just think... Well, I disagree. I just think Chelsea are better. That, that's kind of why I say that. Uh, okay. Cool. Fine. And Spurs haven't been properly tested yet. Because... And you think Palace might test them? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. I think... See... This is kind of what we were talking about earlier. I feel that people are making conclusions way too fucking early in the season. Yeah, no, I do agree. I do agree. People are people are bantering, and I know you know this is always going to go go on social media. But like, people are bantering that Arsenal got to get relegated, and it's like, yeah, but you know that's not going to happen. Like, mm. I feel that people are making conclusions about like Palace being terrible and stuff, and 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 who Arsenal... knows what Benteke might do? A Palace also, of course, missing quite a few players. Because of injury. Um, oh, and they have that new man. 
Yeah, who was oh Odson Edouard? Yeah, from mm. from Celtic. Yeah, because we were trying to sell Nketiah to them, and somehow oh, they ended up it. with him instead. Um, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by him. He's been a player that's been linked with a lot of bigger clubs in in previous years, including Arsenal. I kind of get the impression that he down tools a bit for Celtic over the past um. year because he's been pretty desperate for a big move to a Premier League club. Oh, and. I'm not sure if the quality he's been putting in over the past year is uh, reflective of his actual quality or just him being kind of a bit miffed that he didn't get his move. So mm. it'll be interesting to see if he starts and see if he can have an impact. Obviously, the Scottish League is, is of a lower quality, but I mean, Benteke, he did have an OK season last year in terms of goal scoring, but he's just not, he's not a Premier League striker yeah. anymore. You know, he's, he'll get the odd goal, but he's not. He's just not a very good player. No, I'm, I'm interested to see how Palace do because I think they will improve. I think Arsenal will improve. I think some of the teams that people are thinking are amazing and going to blow the pants off everybody are going to hit hard times soon enough when they face the mighty Wolverhampton Wanderers and Adama Traore just blows up. But anyway, I feel like we're, we're coming to an end. This podcast it is finished. But yeah, uh, we'll be back next week, I guess. We'll have a little mm. review of game week four. Um, yeah. There is a Monday game. Unfortunately. Uh, so we'll have a review of game week four sans the Monday night game. <laughs> um, and that'll be fun. So yeah. yeah, ciao for now, guys. We'll speak to you next week. Well, you didn't even tell people that they can find us on Twitter at The Denalysis and then they can email us. Hello at thedenalysis.com. That's where we are. That's where you can find us this week. And also you can rate them and review and subscribe and stuff. You know. Damn the right. Usual, the usual bits. Damn oh, right. And, jo- and join the league. Also, if you haven't already, I don't know what, what you're waiting for. But uh, if you haven't, it's in the, in the description. Ciao for now, peeps. Speak to you next Bye. week. Bye-bye.